My guest is Joe Jordan, an inspirational speaker, behavioral finance expert, and thought leader in our industry. He is also the author of an award-winning book, Living a Life of Significance. In this book, Joe breaks down his five pillars of financial success, and that's what we're going to be talking about today on the show. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. All right. So welcome to the shows, guys. I have Joe Jordan with me here, who not only is a legend in this industry, but a close friend of mine that I've known, Jesus, Joe, almost probably 30 years. At least. Yeah. Right. And watching you and where you're going from uh, you wearing an umbrella hat to teach tax deferral on annuities <laughs> to now traveling the world and impacting people's lives. And, you know, it's a pleasure to have you here and thank you for being with us today, Joe. My pleasure. And it's great to be with you, Paul. We do go back that far and uh, it's been pretty amazing watching your growth and how you were able to do that. And uh, I think you stuck to the fundamentals and the basics of the business and have really grown and and now you you are an industry giant. Uh, people refer to you and uh, the agency that you've built and the lives that you've changed, both from a standpoint of of the impact on on the producers, but more importantly on the clients that they 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 meet. Thanks. And you know, it's interesting, Joe, that as I think about my role, and I'll get into your life of significance in a second, but I started as an advisor and I was impacting lives, and then I take this role to be the CEO leader of the firm. And I say, now I get to impact two lives, right? The advisors and the associates, and then they carry my message out there to all the clients, just like what you're doing is very similar. So let's start there. You have these four pillars of living a life of significance. Can you give me some background on that and where it came from and what sure. it is and go, go for it? Well, as you know, from my background, when I first got to MetLife, because that's where we were, right? Yep. I had the challenge of <coughs> of getting life insurance people to do investments and people thought that couldn't happen, right? Uh, having, having been a life agent first before I went to Payne Weber, um, I had that advantage. So I had a I had a change culture and that's really, that's really what it was all about. So I was very product oriented and, uh, you know, we were very successful in terms of making that transition, uh, product designs we did were, were there, but we're, 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 we're amenable to, you know, insurance people are income gatherers, not asset gatherers. And that's, that's a fundamental thing I knew. And so that's how we changed it. So I was very much, very product oriented through the beginning of my career at MetLife. And, and that was good. I went through a kind of a catharsis and a change. And uh, one of the things I felt having had the experience of being a life agent, ran insurance sales at Payne Weber, and then MetLife, I had a unique observation of financial services as a whole. And, uh, and a lot of people haven't had that. They used to tend to stay in their thing. And I began to feel that we were losing our purpose and our meaning. And I thought that was important to bring across. You know, the biggest expense we have is, is the failure rate that are overall in the industry. 
because people just can't take rejection. So I said, you know, people really have to be inspired in this thing. They got to understand that there's a purpose and something beyond just making money. It's got to be bigger than that. So that's where I, I wrote this book, Living a Life of Significance. And so what I really wanted to portray, because I don't think it was being done, and I still don't think it's done enough justice, is to really get off of, well, it's good, you know, there's enough people who can hawk product and talk about uh, how much money you can make and all of this stuff and great product stuff. There's not enough people saying, what's the impact you're having on others? What's the what's the thing to do? So the four pillars are really built on the idea. I ask anybody, I get in front of people, and I say, who here wants to live a significant life? Everybody puts their hands up. So, so I really wanted to get into the fundamentals and basics of it. And so the four pillars are belonging, purpose, storytelling, and uh, transcendence. And belonging, uh, one of the things that's, you know, with the rise of social media, there's a lot of stuff going on outside of our business. And I think sometimes we don't see that. Okay. So you had the rise of social media. Okay. You had the uh, so, uh, secularization of society, decline of family values. And uh, 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 people have, so what's happened is people have never felt more isolated and alone. And this is going on beyond the pandemic, which only exacerbated all of it. You I, know? Know I was going to say and, that. Uh, so. Yeah. so Yale did a study and found out that people have never felt more isolated and alone. And uh, the more they use Facebook, the worse they feel. Because nobody posts the truth in this thing, you know, so it's there. So I thought that was there. So I thought it was important to, to understand that when we were growing up, everybody thought the computers would take over the planet, right? That that people would just dial up 1-800, buy insurance and, and, and investments. And it just it just hasn't happened because there's a fundamental DNA approach towards the idea of people, you know, feeling that they belong. And purpose is the other one, which is requires a commitment that's bigger than what's in it for you. And uh, I think that's important. And I heard a great definition of purpose, Paul. It's purpose is not the thing you do. It's the thing that happens inside of others when you do what you do. And we tend to be so self-centered that we don't get that, that we're a communal species. And that's that's something that's really important, which is the idea of real purpose is when you do something for someone else. And, and we don't talk about that. And I think that's important. The third one is storytelling. And all wisdom comes from specific human experiences. And we've lost that too, because it, look, the business is not a story in numbers. It's the number of stories. And we have to begin to recapture that, to bring that in, to humanize it. Because people really don't care about, you know, the numbers and what I mean, transcendence is just that out of body experience you get when you do something that's really worthwhile. And we are in a position to do something really worthwhile for people and and to make certain that they have independence and dignity when they retire. And if something happens to their family that that is taken care of. So that was essentially my thrust. And um, and and later on, I'll get to the point was I was focusing on on advisors. Maybe because I'm slow, I didn't figure it out that that's what clients want. You know, one of the, one of the astronauts said it best. He said, you know, everyone has this idyllic view of what retirement's going to be. And one of the astronauts said it best. He said, if you think going to the moon is hard, try staying home. <laughs> so I think we have this whole new vista that's coming up with our business in terms of what we would do. I would say one of the think tanks came out and said in 10 years, people will in our business will be more centered on less the numbers and numbers and more of a life coach. You know, people really don't. They think it's going to be great. Six months of golf. They're ready to put a gun in their mouth. You know, not everybody, well, but a lot of people. Yeah, so I funny. think that's a, that's another advantage that we have. 
I agree. And Joe, think about it. There's been a shift from when you opened up about how you wanted insurance people to go out and gather assets, right? right? Well, today people are gathering so many assets and they sometimes forget about their purpose on the insurance side. So your life of significant goes both ways. I think that's huge. And I do think that what you said about retirement being just a number and people not needing to know the number, they just need to know what they're going to have in retirement so that they can live that life that they want to live. That's right. But they have to figure out what that life is first. And, you know, there's a great coaching comes in. Right. It's by Gary Sirak, S-I-R-A-K. He's a GA and guardian in Ohio. And essentially the book is this is some people who are very well financially off if they don't have a plan in terms of what they're going to do. And again, part of that plan is the idea of doing something for others. Some of the people who are very well financially off were very, you know, discombobulated, you know, and 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 if people have, this is important, if people have a profound sense of isolation, or they're not doing something valuable. They've done research and found out that's equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day because what begins to happen is the health declines and they die. So I really think that that we are the best in position to make some of that stuff happen. So that's why I'm really stoked and excited, excited about the business and and to balance it out. Well, it's. I was going to go to asking about seeing advisors getting in front of clients, but before we go there, mm-hmm. let's stay where you just were, Joe. You you talked about how inspired you are, but how important it is for financial advisors to be inspired each day? Well, I think that's crucial, and 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 I do think that beyond just reading about the math and the stuff is to expose yourself to stories of, in terms of the impact that you have on people. Try to find those. I know uh, the Life uh, Foundation, yes. Yeah, yeah. They they do a lot of that stuff. I think you have to do that. I think that has to be part of, in terms of what you do. Because, I, you, you know, we get so layered in terms of this left brain analytic, and that doesn't connect with people. You know, it's the other side. So I think, you know, we have to bring that together. And it's especially important when people producers feel feel a little down or that things aren't going their way. You know, and I, I, I agree, Joe. And I think our industry by and large, because it's so complicated, right? There used to be just the insurance companies and the wirehouses. Now there's RIAs, there's mm-hmm. PNC, there's BGAs, there's FMOs. And I think the emotional side of the business has kind of got lost in the shuffle of how we're distributing products today. Yeah. And it's just a good mental check for me, even when you said that, to make sure I keep more of that. You know, our mission at Barnum is to impact as many lives as possible. But I probably don't say that enough and tie the stories to it. So thank you for that. That's really important. Um, So let me go back again. One of the things you did that I think was probably influential to me, and I grew up in the world of you're only as good as the amount of people you see. And Mm -hmm. when you think of the financial advisor business, you could have all the credentials and be the sharpest and best at meeting with clients and be a great coach. But if you don't see people, you're basically out of the business. So talk about, I know you do a lot of coaching on that and speaking about it, but talk about that. Well, here's the bottom line. Okay. The business is built on two pillars 
prospecting, and everything else. <laughs> and, and that's not a joke. It's real. You know, the fact of the matter is, you know, people go on trips or you have these meetings. Why? Because you're good looking? No, it's because you're in front. They, they assume or you assume they're in front of people on a favorable basis. And it's the most difficult part of the business. It's the most gut wrenching part of the business. And it's something that uh, has always been with us. So what I did at Matt first thought and bear in mind, I didn't think this all through. This didn't, you know, I know the plan, you know, I. <laughs> Again, being more product oriented, um, one of the things that I did, and, and people would know this, is I knew that some of the products, this is after I was out of the annuity area, I knew some of the products that we were coming out with were unsustainable or would be problematic or not profitable because we were giving away the store. You know, we had uh, lifetime income with a 50 basis point charge. So what I did was, I came up with this idea of trying to get people in front of people on a favorable basis, but again, focused on the product side. So you remember when we came out with the legislative birth date stuff. So it was all of MetLife clientele, which was millions. And we we focused in on people turning 59 and a half, 62 and 70. The real focus was 62. I wanted to get immediate annuity sales up on. I wanted to make certain that that happened. And so what we did was we, every client that turns 59 and a half, you can take money out. 62, should you take social security now or later? And 70, you gotta take it out. We were sending these letters out. So the idea was, and again, you know, this, we didn't have the technology we had now, but the idea was this, is you could get someone brand new in the business and they could learn that talk at age 62 and get in front of people you know, on a more favorable basis. And so you're also talking to a cohort that have a common issue. So, you know, when someone new comes in and, you know, the different ages and what they're going to do, this was a focused approach to get people in front of people on a favorable basis. So we did that. And, you know, you were very much enamored in terms of taking taking control of that. And I'll talk a little bit later about what you what you how you've been taking it to the next level. But the whole idea was was simply that. And I was trying from a product perspective to make certain we could take pressure off the variable annuities at the time we were selling, because I didn't think they were priced right towards a mortality-based product. And that, that's what happens with Social Security, right? The older you get, the more it pays. How does that happen? Is it magic? Well, the actuaries know how many people will die in a day so they can pay everybody more. And, you know, it goes down. So I was trying to get that concept across. And this was... Paul, you know, this was 2005. Everyone was telling me I was crazy. You take Social Security the minute you get it because it's going away, all of this stuff that was there. No one knew it. So I was also trying to train and change, you know, behavior. So again, product orientation. So then I began to realize, I said, man, this is really something worthwhile that benefits producers. Because if they really take a control of it and a manager manages it and they go out, they can go out and see people and really, but they have a common story. And and it's something that's really worthwhile for people. So it was more customer oriented than it was, you know, I got to make a sale oriented. And and what it did was, you know, I don't know if you know this, but from 2006 to 2012, we did two hundred and forty million dollars of GDC with those things because we tracked it. You know, coming up with ideas is meaningless if you don't track it. And so someone says, yeah, but that wasn't all incremental. They were seeing the patient clients anyway. Okay, I'll take (laughs) half, you know? So, you know, and then people said, well, then they don't know how to, then they don't know how to ask for for referrals. I'm like, well, then we own them, you know? So anyway, 
Uh, so that that's one of the things that we did. And so I think you've taken it to the higher level because also we were operating on the approach towards dealing with institutional. You know, MetLife had a big institutional business and they also had this retail outlet. And, you know, the, the institutional people, you know, were unaccustomed to talking to individuals. And uh, we had these people who could. Of course, it gets a little gnarly when, you know, our people didn't quite know how to deal in a third party setting, you know, so it was like assume the position, you know, so there are always these kind of conflicts. But we finally, you know, started to get over those. So it's just another form of prospecting that happens that we get into XYZ company, all have the same benefits. Uh, they're either being laid off or they're going to retire. And we did seminars and stuff like that. It's the whole idea of feeding so that the newbies can start to learn the business. But not only that, even people who've been in the business for a long time to re-energize and see a pool of people that have a similar issue that's there. And you brought it to another level. Of course, when, yeah, when MetLife, you, you know, dispatched, uh, you know, the, the career agency, you stuck with Met. And now you own that franchise accommodating the institutional clients of MetLife. That, that, that's the deal. Okay. I mean, th- to me, that's it. It's, it's the idea of getting people in front of people on a favorable basis. And then that, I love what you said. You took it even further, right? You said getting them in front of them on a favorable basis, but then having a common theme, right. which makes you get better and better as a specialist. Right. And I think that is a differentiator, but guys, let's just pause for one second here and say, Joe made three points that are so critical right now. One, living a life of significant and having a purpose and impacting people, seeing people to keep you in the business and getting good at your craft, and then making it repeatable and specializing in something, if it's retirement planning or people that are at a similar company. So those are three things that if you're listening right now, make sure you take a time to write those down because those sound simple, but they're game changers. All right. So Joe, let's, if you're a young advisor today or you're a veteran advisor, there's internal pressures and there's external forces coming at them every day. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, that's that's one of the things that helps to complicate the business. You know, there's a lot of the uh, compliance aspect that comes into it. I think the compliance people are well-meaning, but they really don't know the business. And uh, and also there's sometimes a premise that everyone in the business is a crook. Some of the some people feel that way, you know, so you just have to deal with that. I think you have to put in your heart that you're doing something that's really worthwhile for people. And I don't know another profession that can protect their loved ones and give people independence and dignity. And then ultimately, because we all go, right, is the idea of, uh, you know, a legacy. We do that. And I don't think we talk enough about it. And so I think that's the idea of trying to bring into your mind the higher plane that you deal with. And, you know, to some extent, I run into conflict with the industry because they all want the, the latest sales idea, what have you. Well, if you're not if you're not motivated or inspired, I mean, inspired is the better word, you know, I don't know how you would do that. Why would you subject yourself to the rejection or what have you? And that's where I think what you've done is, uh, you know, for people who don't know, I mean, Paul has put together an agreement with MetLife and they go out and accommodate. Now it's even better because you can do stuff virtually. I mean, before it was, you know, driving to the factory in Connecticut somewhere or what have you. Now you can do it virtually and you know 
what the people have and they can go from there. So that helps to solve a major, major problem. But I do think there's a major deficit in terms of our culture, the culture of financial services to deal on the human storytelling approach and to then recognize and spend a lot of time seeing the impact of our work on others. And yeah, I agree. And no matter, there's always going to be external forces that have that. But if you have that in the back of your mind, you'll always get great strength to continue to carry on and do what you do to help people get to that thing. So you talk about life being a marathon. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, anything that's worthwhile is going to, uh, and, and our culture doesn't do that. We're always thinking about, you know, being satisfied every minute. And so doing something worthwhile, I mean, I saw a quote from, uh, what's his name? One of the, the guy who was the four-star general at the, uh, uh, and he recently died, his name's escaping me. He said, there's no other way to succeed than to uh, do planning, execute, and then learn from mistakes. So, you know, if you have no mistakes or you have no negativity, you don't really grow. You, when you, when you lift weights, <laughs> you know about that. And when you lift weights, you tear the muscle down and then it comes back. And so I'm not trying to be Pollyannic about the business because it's very difficult and tough. But I, I, I do think that it's it's over time because then what happens is you get older and then you realize as you succeed, you've made a lot more money. You have more flexibility in your lifestyle. You can do more things than other people can't do. And that 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 really comes from a marathon type of approach. It's very That's difficult great. going through those things. But but I think. I think well, it's interesting, Joe, because as you grow in our industry, I'm in my 33rd year now. When you think of failing, I failed so many times. But what I do is now I learn to fail faster so that I can grow quicker. and you know when to cut your ties and to move on quicker. So um, I've heard you talk on another note. I've heard you talk about a fraternal organization like the Knights of Columbus. And you think that they can help the industry and what they should be doing or shouldn't talk a little about that. I don't know how that story goes. Well, let me start. One of the things is I I always had an, an admiration for mutual companies because they have a purpose for being that's different from and goes beyond just making money. And I don't think many people in a mutual company see that at all. So again, it's, it's the idea of beginning to focus not on I, but on others and fraternals. They actually have a lot of these programs that, you know, help others, you know, like the Knights of Columbus has all of these different programs where, um, you know, they help kids with coats or what have you. It's it's not the only thing, but it's, to me, it's a one-stop shop in terms of the future. And I do think that we're going to be spending more time. And you've seen this with a lot of your bigger producers who are talking to, you know, higher, uh, more affluent people. That's the thing that they need help with. And so what I'm trying to tell fraternal people is, You've got a you've got a one stop shop, you know. Merrill Lynch doesn't have uh, you know tots for kids or all of these different types of programs, so they they've they brought them together. So it's kind of their the idea that they have a value proposition that seems to be more in line with where the future of the business is. I I, I did advisor group, you know, an advisor group is that huge group. It used to be part of AIG. Yep. And Bob never wanted to give it up. That's Bob Ben Moshe, by the way, for people who aren't who aren't tuned in, because he was he was our CEO and then became CEO of AIG. 
And and he got up and said, I was proud of all of you guys because uh, you acted more like life coaches than financial people. So you begin to see that that's starting to happen. So that, that was the thing that was there. So if I had a look at organizations that have a financial edge, it's those that think more about others, that profit isn't the only thing that you look towards. And that's where I think a mutual company is. And uh, that fraternals have all of these programs, you know, you know, for example, there's another one, which is uh, the Catholic order of foresters. They have a policy that if you buy it, automatically 5% of the death proceeds go to a Catholic charity if you elect it. It doesn't affect the face amount, but, you know, just think about that. And then they have other programs that help, uh, you know, that, 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 that if you gave money to the local library, they match it. Makes you feel good, right? And you know that those are the types of things. So, so those things I'd see more, and so that's what I try to tell fraternals, and um, that's that's what I do. That's great, Joe. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. So, we made a shift in our industry from talking about a number, a pile of money that you needed, to really income, right? right. And when you think of our aging population right now, right. and people outliving their retirement income. Right. You know, what's your what's your thought on that? And then they're having less children, too. Well, to me, the major issue humanity faces, it isn't global warming. It's the aging population of the world. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll start getting cold again. Who knows? But this thing <laughs> yes. you definitively know is going to be there. I mean, by by 2050, there'll be two billion people on the planet over the age of 60. All right. Um China will get old before it gets rich. They have 30 million bachelors because what they did is they restricted the one child policy. And and then all of a sudden their demographics is falling like a rock. And the only place where population growth is happening is in Africa. And people aren't bad. You know, almost to some extent, a lot of these people, you know, say, you know, it's, there's too many people. No, there's not too many people. There's not enough people. And and the guy who really really puts that forward is uh, who's the guy with the with the electric cars? So what happens uh, when you turn seventy one? You can't Elon remember. Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, Elon Musk. He's what he said. He said, you know, unless we we're going to have to have more children, because what happens is you got this shrinking base of kids, you got this massive growth of older people, and we're going to be spending all of our time focusing on taking care of them. Japan is building robots to take care of elders. You know, it's a fundamental change. On top of that, you know, you, you see the UK right now, their medical system is beginning to collapse. And that's a major issue. See what's going on in France? Okay, they're taking a retirement age from 62 to 64. You think they're burning the place down. <laughs> so these are the challenges that we have to face. And we're the people who can do that, who can change it, because we shift from the idea of accumulating money towards the idea of spending the money and not running out of it. And then, you know, we ran into all of the criticism, again, very math-oriented, you know, stuff saying, you know, these products are very complicated. And, you know, there's not there's not a, a lot of liquidity. Hell, if you're broke, you're that's pretty illiquid, you know. And, you know, with with for annuities, for example, you can run out of money, but you can't run out of income. income yep. And it's better than nothing. So I think that's a fundamental mindset that has to be crept in. And what insurance companies do is they have mortality credits. You know, life insurance, you know, uh, the people who live pay for the people who die. And and in annuities, the people who die pay for the people who live. That's that's just the balancing act that's there. 
And those things are, are, are really critical, especially as people live a lot longer. So to me, hey, how the hell are you going to deal with global warming if you're all obsessed about how, you, how you're dealing with uh, people as they age? You know, So I think that's the major issue that the planet faces, and we deal with that directly. I agree. Now, and let's shift gears a little bit here, Joe, about you personally. So you've been doing this for almost 50 years, correct? Yeah, 40, 48 years, 49 years, 49, 49 years right. in the industry. Um, I would say that you have as much or more energy than you ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that you're traveling, you have this message, you're definitely living a life of significance yourself. Thank you for that. This industry needs more Joe Jordans. Mm-hmm. But tell me, after all these years, what's motivating you? What's inspiring you? Give it to me. Well, you know, what finally changed my thoughts process was it was my own personal story. You know, um, you know, for those who don't know, my my father was a very successful guy. He was an advisor to Harry Truman. By the way, somebody sent me uh, the video of Harry Truman accepting the 1948 uh, nomination for president of the Democratic Party. And sitting right behind him is my dad. He's, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he's like, he's like on six phone books. I don't know because he was bigger <laughs> than everybody, and and he was like goofing. And I, I never saw him in action because he was killed when I was six months old in a car accident. So what happened to me? What finally happened? I was fifty four years old when this happened. The catharsis that I had was, you know, my mother had four four kids. Her idea of what the future was going to be was radically different than what had happened. And what my father did was he actually cashed in a $100,000 New York life policy six months before he was killed in a car accident to buy an apartment bill. And I finally came to the real, you know what $100,000 was in 1952? Oh I mean, you could buy a kick-ass house for eight grand. You'd probably sell it for a quarter of a million. Our lives would have been radically different. That was the thing that really got to me. And then I began to think along those lines because before I never did because I didn't know him. And I, you know, I didn't know I was poor. <laughs> you know what I mean? You grow up and right. and it's there. So so that was the thing that that changed me. And then I tell you, I had a recent event. I was at NDRT and uh, and there's a guy named Fred. Uh, oh, I, I can't remember Fred's name for some reason, but that's all right. It, it doesn't matter. I, call, it, I call that some timers. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he he had that stupid hat on because he was a, a volunteer, you know. So they wear the hats, you know, so they know that. So anyway, um, I asked him about because he's from Beirut, and uh, Geraldine and I and a few other people support a Catholic priest who is a vascular surgeon, and he works in Beirut. So talk about a significant life, right? right. Imagine what this guy, you know. So anyway, uh, I learned from him there was. I don't know if you know this, in 2020, there was a massive explosion in Beirut. It was a fertilizer in a, in a warehouse that blew up. This wasn't just a, an explosion. This took part of the city out. And uh, I asked Fred if if he was hurt, because the priest was operating. Both his nurses were killed. The patient was killed. And they, they dug him out of the rubble, you know, two days later. So I asked Fred, Fred Bellman, that's his name. Okay? I asked Fred, I said, Fred, were you affected by the explosion? He said, no, but one of my clients dove in front of his wife and a charter glass took his throat out and he was bleeding to death. And you know what the guy's last words were? Talk to Fred. He'll take care of you. 
<laughs> Think about that, okay? Talk to Fred. He'll take care of the last words that this guy said. So where else do you have that? And and I, I think it's crucial for people to, you know, you got to learn the stuff and you got to know and you have to have skills and all that other stuff. But what a life event that is. That someone on the planet, the last words was talking about something you did to take care of his family. And so that's that, that's a more recent one that just happened. That just absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. And I, it, you know, when you come in the business at 22 and you talk about stories like that, you originally, you start saying, Oh my God, like I'm going to be telling these stories and helping these people. But then once you get past that, you are where you are. And, and Joe Jordan, I can't thank you enough for all you've done for me, all the people that I've come across in this industry that you've touched. I can't thank you enough for everything. And you just continue to give, you continue to get better. And your experience that you're sharing, I hope that someday I can do something very similar to what you're doing and impact so many lives. And and your dad, you know, I know you never met him. You were six months old, but he's looking down really proud of you, Joe Jordan. So thank you again for everything. And uh, thanks for being on the show and uh, make sure you guys get, grab Joe's book. If you haven't read it yet, I have a bunch of advisors that go back and read it all the time, Joe. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in a few weeks here at Barnum to uh, yes. to speak to all our people. Well, thank you very much. And and you've done a, a, a fabulous job in terms of what you've done, the organization you've built and uh, the multiples of people that thank you've you. affected, you know, I mean, it's just uh, simply amazing. Thank you. And like you, I'm still having a blast. So uh, it's easy. It's not work when you're having fun like this and impacting lives. Well, Joe, make sure you say hello to everybody at home. And okay. uh, thanks again for being on the show. Talk to you Will soon. Do. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you you should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.